If you brought your Bibles today, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and turn to the book of uh, Matthew chapter 16. And as you're turning there, I just want to say this to you all. I really have a lot of respect for your pastors. Amen. And one of the things that you find out uh, traveling all the time, I've actually been in the full-time ministry. It was 20 years uh, this January, which was shocking to find out. But I started when I was five years old. And that's why, you know, that happens. It's a little offensive that you're laughing at that, that you don't believe that could be true, but I'm not going to be offended, ladies, right? <laughs> so, um, but I'm, I have, I've been in the ministry 20 years. I went to Bible school, like, right at 17, graduated from Bible school, hit the ground running, you know, and so I've served in the local church in a number of ways. I was a youth pastor uh, for a while. I was a conference coordinator. I was the official bathroom cleaner. I was the weed pooler, and, uh, and then I served as an associate pastor for a number of years before I launched into what I'm doing now. So I have been traveling full-time coming up on seven years now. Amen. And when God called me to what I'm doing now, he said, Jen, I'm placing a mandate upon you and upon the ministry I've given you to awaken destiny upon a person, upon a church, upon a city, or even a nation. And how many of you know you don't really start with nations, but eventually God will take you there. Amen. And, uh, but there's an, an advantage that I have from being in different amazing churches all over our wonderful nation, really pretty much every weekend at this point, and that is you get to see all the amazing men and women of God that are all over the earth. Hey, they, we, not, we might not make the headlines on Fox News, but let me tell you something. There are those, there are more that be for us than those that are against us. Amen. Amen. And God has, has great people, but you, you get to a point where you meet people, you meet so many pastors, and you are, um, it is easy to identify, you know, who they are and what they're about. And, uh, and your pastors, Pastor Kevin and Liz, listen, they are the real deal, okay? Can we just pretend like we're family even though we just met? Listen, you see a lot out there on the road, and you can spot a fake a mile away, and y'all have the real deal. Amen. You absolutely positively do. And, and I, I lo have loved spending time with you all. Vision just pulses out of them all the time. You know, I mean, Pastor Kevin, he's like, yeah, 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 about this year. He's moved on to 2018, 2019. He's got plans for plans, you know. And, uh, but see, that's a good thing that God placed you in this church because what that tells me is there's no ceiling on you. There's no cap on how far you can go. Amen. Um, there is so much potential in what God wants to do here. And so, man, he's just, praise the Lord. We're surging. We're surging. Are we good? As long as I don't get electrocuted. That's really all I care about, if I'm being totally honest. No shock effects today. Okay. Praise the Lord. But all that to just say, um, you know, I just want to tell you what you already know. And that is that God's got you in a good place, and he puts you in a place that's got a lot of amazing growth ahead of it. And that's a pretty awesome thing to be a part of. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. So I want you to look here at Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to read this as our starting off place for what I believe is my assignment from the Lord to speak to you this morning. And we find this passage of scripture taken out of a moment in Jesus's life in ministry where Jesus is about to announce something that is going to change the world as we know it forever. And what he is about to announce for the first time is God's plan for how he intends to make the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. You see, maybe I should say this to you before we read this. You understand that just as God has a blueprint for your life, God has a blueprint for our time here this morning, God has a blueprint for how he intends to make Lake Charles, Louisiana his. You see, God is so audacious, church, that he actually believes that your public schools are his. He believes that all your businesses are his. He believes the economy is his. He believes all of your government, local to state. God believes all of it is his. And he has plans for everything that is his. He has plans for how it flourishes. He has plans for how your schools can produce champions. Come on, he has plans for this. And so he... He actually designates some things on how he intends to make this a reality. Amen. And uh, if we're not careful, a lot of times we just think that God's plans are just automatic. Well, if God wants it, you know, God's in control. If it's his will, come on, then uh, it'll, it'll just happen. Well, there's a lot that is God's will that if I don't take my part in my life, God's will is not gonna come to pass right? Like I told you all, like right now, I know. What am I called to do? I am called to speak to purpose, to awaken destiny upon a person, a church, a city, state, or a nation. Now, I know that's God's will, and I know it's his plan, but if I just stayed home on my couch and binge watch Netflix, is God's plan going to come to pass for me? But it's his will, but you know, it's not automatic, is it? Well, I'm saying to you this morning that God has plans for the city, the places that you live in. And when you pull up those plans in the throne room of heaven, they're not automatic. They require a participation. And I would dare even say to you this morning that the River Church's name is written down next to quite a lot of those plans. And if you really start looking at the details, you're going to find your name is written in the plans of how God is going to establish his kingdom in the earth, specifically in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and the region beyond. So you want to say, man, God, what are you doing in my life? What are you, what are you using me here for? Am, am I significant at all? Am I just here to pay, work a job, pay the bills, try not to go to jail, try not to cuss anybody out, you know, and I don't get drunk on the weekends anymore, so I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Listen, not sinning is not God's plan for your life. Right? That's just a way to keep you alive 
and out of junk and out of trouble and out of the, the devil having an opportunity to snuff you out and destroy you and give you a slow, miserable, painful death. Not sinning is not God's plan for your life. Not sinning is your beginning, baby. Can I say baby here? Okay, I just did. I think that's a new one. I don't know what kind of mojo you got up here. Praise the Lord. Pastor Kevin anointing just slapped me across the face. It is just the beginning, but there is a plan for some things that God wants to use you to do. And here's the great news. You don't need a pulpit to do them. But someday you will stand before the Lord God, your maker. And when you and I stand before him and you come before him and he says, I redeemed your life. And you say, thank you, God. I know you did. Thank you so much. And he said, now I blueprinted and purposed some things for you to be and to do. I established you in Lake Charles, Louisiana. That's why you couldn't pick up and move away last year, even though you wanted to and you thought about it. Because geographical location is absolutely attached to your divine destiny. I don't get to pick up and move wherever I want just because I like palm trees. This thing is not up for definition. It's already been defined. So when you and I stand before the Lord, someday you stand before the Lord and he'll say, man, I'm so glad you got translated out of the kingdom of darkness into my kingdom. I'm so glad I won you back. You're my family. But now, you know, I purposed some things for you and I, I wrote a, a plan for you. I had things for you to do and, and I planted you in, in Lake Charles and those regions beyond and I put the greater one on the inside of you to lead you into all truth and to reveal my plan to you. And I planted you in that church so you could grow up into the fullness of who I made you to be. Did you do that? Church, I'll be honest with you. I do not intend to walk into that moment and stand there knowing I spent all my time doing something else. What else would be worth that? I mean, even vacation gets boring after a while, right? What am I going to do? Spend my life just saving money, making the cushiest life possible so I can kick back in comfort and enjoy? Hey, I'm all for enjoying life, but comfort is no purpose. Even vacation gets boring after a while. Even after a while relaxing, you're like, dear God, let's go do something. I'm about to go crazy. Why? Because you were made for purpose. And so we look at this portion of scripture in Matthew. And Jesus is about to announce his father's strategy for making the kingdoms of this world the kingdoms of our God. And so we look here in Matthew chapter 16. And he asked Jesus, or Jesus asked Peter a question in verse 15. And he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, and uh, he said, well, you know, Jesus, some people say you're this, and some people say you're that. You know, on Facebook, they call you this, and okay, they didn't have Facebook then. Um, But Jesus stopped him. He said, no, 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 Peter, I didn't ask you what you thought everybody else thought of me. He said, who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? And Peter answered right out of his heart. 
And Peter said, you are Jesus. You are the Son of God. And Jesus was so thrilled with Peter's answer. And Jesus answered Peter. And he said, Peter, you have answered correct. Let's look at it here. In verse 18, and he says, I say also unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, listen, this revelation that you've had of who I am, but not just who I am, but who I am in you, upon this revelation, I'm going to build my church. Only when Jesus said it to Peter in that moment, Jesus did not say the word church. When Jesus made that statement to Peter upon this revelation of who I am, I'll build my church, he didn't say the word church and he was not picturing Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. When he said that to Peter in the original Greek, he said, upon this revelation of who I am and who I am in you, I am going to build my ecclesia. And when Jesus said this word, ecclesia, that is not as familiar to us, everybody in, in around that conversation knew exactly what Jesus was talking about because everybody knew who the ecclesia was. You see, the ecclesia was this elite group of people. And in that day, when Jesus walked the earth, the Romans were the most powerful governing and military force in the known world at that time. They annihilated everyone. They were the only superpower. And so what would happen is the Roman military would move in to an enemy territory and their military would just utterly annihilate them because they were so powerful. And then their military, the Romans, would pull out. And as they were pulling out the military, every time coming in behind, as the military moved out, this group called the Ecclesia would move in. But you see, the Ecclesia was made up of a very specific group of people, and they weren't military people. The Ecclesia was made up of people that were of specific vocations. They were made up of people like you and me. And so they would move into this newly conquered territory. And among the Ecclesia were teachers and caretakers. There were judges and lawmakers. There were musicians and songwriters and pottery makers. There were blacksmiths and every kind of vocation you can think of. And they would be assigned to this new territory. And they didn't go there to visit. They picked up their whole families and they moved there to do life there together. And the Ecclesia would move into this newly conquered territory. And they would help this territory rebuild their way of life. But as they rebuilt the schools, now their schools didn't teach the old way they used to teach. They would begin to teach all Roman ways of teaching. And the, the judges and the lawmakers would go in and help them establish a new way of governing, a new way of making laws. But they did it now through all Roman ways of governing. 
And the businesses would come up and the musicians and the artisans, they would begin to write songs and sing songs. And the people of that territory would begin to pick up these new songs and sing them. But in the songs were written all Roman ways of singing, all Roman ways of thought, all Roman ways of doing life. And you see, instead of by force, but by influence, in no time at all, because of the influence of the ecclesia in every part of life, those people would totally forget their old identity and their old way of living. And in no time at all, they would have brand new ways of living and everything about their way of life looked, sounded, talked, and was lived just like the ecclesia. And this is the model that Jesus uses at this monumental moment where he announces the Father's plan for how he's going to redeem mankind and make the kingdoms of this world the kingdoms of our God. And the model or the strategy he announces is the ecclesia. You see, church, you have to understand that when the ecclesia moved into a new territory, they didn't all hole up in a room at 945 on Sunday morning and talk all things Roman and sing all things Roman and then look at each other and say, now, you know, they don't know anything about this out there. We better keep this to ourselves. We might offend someone. They were there to take over. They were there to influence every part of life. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to unleash my ecclesia to not enforce but by influence the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is righteousness, come on, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Like I said, that's why you couldn't pick up and move just anywhere you wanted to move. Why? Because you became a part of the ecclesia. This is your body of believers, and God has planted on you. And can I say it to you really, just really bottom line bold this morning? Heaven is banking on you. There are lost and broken people everywhere you look in your city. And they are lost members of God's family, and he wants them back. And Pastor Kevin and Pastor Liz can't reach everybody. In fact, they already have their assignment. And their assignment is to stand as pastor of the River Church. You see, their assignment is to stand over a place where people can come and find out who God made them to be. They are to stand as a place with this gift that they carry called pastor and help develop the destiny seeds of God on the inside of you so you can stand in the fullness of who God made you to be and go out and be the ecclesia in whatever way he's given you to do it. Here all this time, we all thought all God wanted to do is just get a group full of rock star preachers to change the world. It was never about the preachers. Preachers are equippers. You see, what we're doing here this morning is not the point. Out there is the point. This is where we come to become. This is where you come to have the layers peeled off of you of who you are not 
so that you can become who you always were. You know, I have my pastors in my home church in, um, in Texas, and uh, I love my pastors, and they've actually been dear friends of mine for years. And um, it's interesting when your pastors, you know, you also knew them as friends because you notice the difference when you come to church. I don't treat my pastors like my friends. And the reason I don't is because I have friends and I'm thankful for my friends. But I only have two people in my life that I call my pastors and they're the only ones that carry that gift called pastor. You see, a pastor isn't a person. Now, don't throw rocks at me. A pastor isn't a person. A pastor is a gift that God places within a person. And that gift has supernatural equipment to help develop who God made you to be. Amen? When you read over in the book of Ephesians, he said he set some gifts in the body. Some pastors, right? Some teachers, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists for the equipping and the building up of the ecclesia the saints this is what we're doing here today are you ready for a little more yeah. turn over to isaiah if you would chapter 51 and i'm going to read in verse 15 it says but i am the lord thy god that divided the sea whose waves roared the lord of hosts is his name how many of you are thankful he's the lord of hosts plural amen. amen i mean i'm talking about angels of god that are assigned to help you on your path of destiny that's a pretty good deal and he's still the lord of hosts verse 16 here we find the mandate for how God wants his ecclesia to operate in the earth. And through the prophet Isaiah, he says this, And I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered you in the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, You are my people. Look at verse 17, he says, So awake! Awake, stand up. If you turn one page over to chapter 52 and you look at verse 1, again through the prophet Isaiah, he says, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, and put on your beautiful garments. What's he saying? Wake up to who you are and what you're doing here in the first place. Which tells me that if I need to awake to it, I could very well go through this life asleep and not be awake to it at all. It tells me I could actually be present in this church, attending, but not awake. You ever attend a school a class in school and you were present, just not so much awake? Okay, you ever attend like 20 classes going through school that you were present, but not so much awake, right? And then the test came at the end of that class and you were like, I am sunk. Why? Because I was not awake for what just went down while I was present. And the Holy Ghost grabs us up and he says, listen, don't you forget what you're doing here. I need you to awake to why you are here in the first place. Because you could be present, but not awake. And what's he tell us to do? Put on your strength. 
O Zion, put on your beautiful garments. What are those garments talking about? In the Word, it talks about how we've been given beautiful garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. He's saying, don't forget who you are. Paul talked about it in Ephesians, in Ephesians 4 and verse 1. He made this statement. He said, I beseech you, brethren, that you walk worthy of the vocational calling wherewith you are called. Do you know when Paul said that, he wasn't talking to a pastor's conference either? He was talking to the ecclesia that met in the city of Ephesus. So we could say it this way. It's as if Paul came to the River Church in Lake Charles, Louisiana and said, I beseech you, walk worthy of the vocational calling wherewith you are called. Sometimes we take that word calling and we over-spiritualize it. You know, I grew up in church. I was a church kid. And uh, when I was growing up, there was like people that were called to the ministry and it was like, oh, you know, they were uber special. And it was like there was a halo, and every time a special speaker came through, they got the word. And it was like, dear God, okay, you're great. We get it. I'll just be the nursery worker. Fine. Do you know that that word calling, you know what that word calling means? A divine invitation for service. And every single one of us sitting in this room right now were issued a divine invitation invitation for service but did you notice it's an invitation which means you have to respond to it I was thinking about that verse the other day when Paul said that and he said I beseech you and I thought what does that word mean you know I don't really use the word beseech much maybe y'all do here in Lake Charles because you just talk so fancy and uh but, I, you know, like, I'm probably not going to call up Pastor Liz and be like, I beseech you, would you meet me at Starbucks? <laughs> so I looked up that word. I thought, why would Paul say that word, I beseech you to walk worthy? And if I could give you just like a word description, a word picture for what that word actually means, it would be like if a commanding officer in the military grabbed up a young recruit by the collar and said, listen to what I'm about to say to you. It could save your life. That's how powerful that word is. And so what was Paul saying that emphatically? Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. That word worthy basically means this. Don't do it a disservice. Wake up to the calling. See, here you were thinking that all your unspiritual days were Monday through Friday, and your spiritual day was Sunday, right? Well, I just got to do natural stuff to just get through this life. And here, the whole point of what God purposed you for is to equip you on Sunday so you could go be who you are Monday through Friday. That heaven is actually highly invested in your success in whatever you do Monday through Friday. You say, well, it doesn't matter. I work on cars. You know, I work at a receptionist desk. I'm a caretaker. I take care of kids. I take care of my elderly parents. Listen, 
Everything that God does has purpose attached to it. And if you don't judge as insignificant what God has birthed in you, then heaven will be able to come through and back you up in whatever it is. What's he saying? Walk worthy. He said, I have put my words in your mouth so that I could plant the heavens. I love the way Jesus' mother said it. You know, I think it was probably one of the most powerful messages ever preached. And God honored Jesus' mother Mary with being the one to get to preach it. And y'all know the story. It was the first miracle of Jesus. How many of you that are here today say, you know, I could use a miracle, if I'm honest. I, I could use God doing something supernatural for me right now. And this was the first time we see the miracle ministry of Jesus. And they tried to pull on him, you know, and he just kind of pushed him away. And his mama stepped in. Sounds like my mama. She totally ignored what Jesus had said. She said, boys, come here. Listen to me. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. I would assume that after she did that, that those boys that she said whatever he says to do, do it, didn't get caught up doing something else and get their eyes off of Jesus. They probably didn't sort of fall asleep on while they were standing there. They probably stayed real awake because they were in a position where they were waiting on words. And there's a lot of you that are here today and you've been saying, God, what are you doing in my life? And God is answering the cry of your heart this morning and he's saying, I have been working behind the scenes to move you into position for that thing I've called you to. I need you to awake. I need you to keep your eyes on me because I'm going to put some words in your mouth. And if you will just say what I give you to say, if you will not judge as insignificant that vocation I've set you in, if you will not spend your time trying to pick up and move away somewhere else, I'm going to use you to plant the heavens in the earth. Because I've got plans for shifting this place, and I'm going to use you to do it. Hallelujah. He gives you things to say. And he says, so I've been working to move you into position. How many of you know position is everything? Amen? Position is everything. And God will work behind the scenes to move you into position for things that he predestined for you to walk in but it's imperative that you get into position. See, there's some things that you're going to have to let go of. You can't carry around with you anymore if you're going to step into who God called you to be and what he made you to do. And you can see the strategy of the enemy because so many times God will begin to work in us and plant his words in us when we get planted in the local church. And so, man, as soon as you finally settle on a home after you've been checking out churches for 35 years, you finally get settled in a home. The enemy says, well, we can't have this. We need to cut off their supply lines. So I need to get them offended or find a real good reason why they can't make it there because I can't afford, this is the enemy, I can't afford for them to become who they already are. 
I can't afford for them to come into the fullness of who God made them to be. I can't kill them. I'm not that powerful. So I'll just get them out of position. You know, even military strategists will tell you that it doesn't matter how powerful an enemy is, a military enemy. Any military force can be defeated if you cut off their supply lines. That's all you get. Just wait them out. Cut off their ammo. Cut off their food, right? And then just wait them out. Because when they're weak, you can take them down. So what does the enemy do? He tries to cut off our supply lines. Oh, you don't need to be connected to that church. You don't need to sit under that pastor. You probably know more than he does. Heck, you're probably older than he is. You don't need to go to that church. There's a church right at the end of your street. Why are you driving across town to go over there? Why don't you go here? Because you were set in the body and you've got to show up for your supply. There is geographical location attached to my destiny. I can't pick up and live anywhere I want to live. And I don't get to get up and go to church any old place I want to go to church. Because this is the place where God has set me to equip me. So that I could become who he destined me to be. Besides that, I've been assigned a specific place in the ecclesia. And once I find out what's mine, I will not give it up. I will not let it go. I will not stand before Jesus, who paid the ultimate sacrifice for me, and stand before him and say, Jesus, I appreciate what you did, but you know, I just got offended and I just, I just couldn't go there. Jesus, you know, I'm just a caretaker and I know you said that you called me and gave me an invitation to service, but... I just, I couldn't see it, and so I just, I just, I just fell asleep to that and said, forget it. I just can't do that. Can you? There's no way. When the Bible says the blood is speaking for me, and it's speaking for you, testifying on our behalf, heaven's banking on you, church. Of all the places... I mean, think about it. All the places Pastor Kevin, Pastor Liz could have planted a church, but somehow or another, God assigned them here. Somehow or another, you got here. I'm telling you, there's more going on in this room than meets the eye. It's amazing to me that people come to churches and make decisions on if they're supposed to be there based on everything natural. When the reason I go to church has nothing really to do with what's going on in the natural. There's a spiritual transaction taking place that I desperately need for the week ahead. So why would I go to a church based on if I like the coffee, if they sing my kind of music, you know, if the pastor's my kind of preaching, when none of that is the real reason that I'm there. The real reason I'm there is because when I pick myself up and I make myself go, when I don't feel like it, when my flesh is like, Jen, stay home. There's an anointing to sleep. Can't you feel that? <laughs> don't fight the grace, Jen. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. There's times when I'm home, I think, my flesh is like, really? You're going to go to church? All you do is go to church. You go to church for a living. 
I mean, dear God, stay home. I mean, now you can even live stream churches anywhere in the world you want. There's so many reasons to stay home. But every time, just like you, that I pick myself up by the flesh and I say, flesh, you better be quiet because the reason I go there is for a spiritual transaction that happens in the room and I cannot be without it. And every time I pick myself up and I go and I sit in that atmosphere and I get what I need, every time when I get in my car, I'm thankful that I did it. I leave better for it. I will not let the devil cut off my supply line. Church, I'm here to tell you something this morning, and that is that God has been at work to move you into position. I say that to you specifically over your own lives, but I say it to you as a church, that there has been such a time and a season of building and building upon building upon building. But listen, you've got a firm foundation for a reason. It's because you are going to need it. You are going to need it for what God wants to bring into your hands. You are going to need it for how God has destined for you to expand. You are going to need it. And when the lost come in these doors, they need to find more than just Pastor Kevin and Pastor Liz that are waiting and welcoming with open arms saying, listen, I know that you are lost, broke, and fallen apart, but let me help you become just like he helped me become. You realize that we have whole generations of people out there that in large part have never known the love, care, and strength of a mother or a father? That most of the reasons they're broken is because they never had those two things? And when they walk through those doors, they need to find you ready to say, hey, I remember what it was like to be a young mom. I remember what it was like to try and be a husband and then never had a father as a good example. I have no idea how this works successfully. And I'll spot you in the lobby and say, listen, I remember. Come on, I'll help you. I'll help you be a good mama. Come on, young man, I'll help you. I'll help you in business. I'll help you be a success if you'll do it for the kingdom. This is who we are, church. And God is moving you into position. He's moving things out of your way. He's putting the things you need in your way. And he's setting you up because you are his glorious bride his glorious ecclesia in the earth. And heaven is counting on you. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Heaven is counting on you. I'm going to close with this. I was um, in a hotel room in Tucson, Arizona in October of 2016 and I was sound asleep and all of a sudden I woke up at 4 a.m. just out of the middle of nowhere now this is not a common occurrence to me I believe in the power of sleep I enjoy it tremendously and uh, I don't get to do it a whole lot but when I do it's a go time right and so I woke up at 4 a.m., so that was really shocking. And then the other strange thing about it is I turned and I looked at the clock and I saw it was 4 a.m. on the nose, and I noticed that immediately I was wide awake. 
which was a miracle because no coffee had passed my lips. So I knew something strange was going on. And so I just sat up in my bed and I was like, man, what is this? What's going on? And so I just began to listen to my heart, you know. And uh, it was just a few minutes went by and all of a sudden I heard the word of the Lord come to me and it went off like a bomb on the inside of me. It was so forceful that for a minute I thought, man, was that audible? But I knew I'd heard it on the inside. And so what I heard the Lord say was this, 2017 will be a year of the unprecedented. He said, in 2017, I am taking the body of Christ and moving them into a time where new precedents are being set. Things that have never been done before, things that have never been seen before, I will move them into for it is time. And then... I heard him say this, and I will be releasing a groundswell of my spirit that brings change. I thought, man, that's a pretty specific word, a groundswell of my spirit that brings change. So I began to do some study on that word groundswell. And I found out that a groundswell is a very specific type of current. And it happens deep on the ocean's floor. In fact, you never see a groundswell with your natural eye because it happens deep. But what you do see are the effects of what a groundswell brings. And so the way a groundswell works is it begins to stir deep on the ocean's floor and it sets off a very specific and unique kind of wave. And when those waves begin to approach land shore, they are the most powerful waves. They are the kind of waves that pick up what would seem to be large, immovable objects pick them up like they're nothing, carry them where they will, and drop them wherever they want. And when I began to see that, the Spirit of God spoke to me. And he said, Jen, I'm releasing a groundswell of my spirit that's going to bring change, which tells me that God is going to pick up things that look impossible. He's going to move things that look immovable. He's going to pick up resources and job opportunities and things that you feel like there is no way, no how this could ever happen for me in the natural. The spirit of God is going to pick them up like they're nothing carry them over and drop them on your lap to put you into position. Listen, the word of God says that whosoever, right? Whosoever shall take me at the word, whosoever shall believe my word, then these things will come to pass for them. And I'm here to tell you this morning that I have watched this transpiring all across the body of Christ in 2017. But I'll tell you what, something has locked on the inside of me and said, you know what, there's what, three, four months left in this year? I'm saying that God has some things that he's wanting to move out of your way and move into your way to put you into position for what's coming up even in this next year. But he needs you awake. I said he needs you awake. It's not automatic, is it? We have a part to play. Yeah, it's going to take more than what you've got. You're going to need God to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. 
But that's okay. God's not sweating it. He's always been the God of miracles, and he still is. Do you ever notice in 1 Corinthians when miracles are mentioned, they're called the working of miracles? It means you have a participation. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Because he's going to put his words in your mouth and use you to plant the heavens. Heaven on earth, church, is not a pipe dream to God. It's not a cliche phrase. God has plans for making that a reality right here in the state of Louisiana and beyond. I mean, if Jesus flipped the known world at the time with 12 guys that were half out of their minds... (laughs) I'm just saying, what could he do in Louisiana with the River Church? Who decided to awake and just be the Ecclesia?